podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Trophy. Straight into the hands of the man on the mid-wicket boundary. Another one down. Welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast with me, Melissa Story, and me, Melissa Story. That's right, it's our first solo podcast, and well, this could be absolute carnage. I'm sat in a hotel room in Birmingham following that first Ashes T20, and wow, what a game it was. First of all, the atmosphere at Edgebaston amazing over 19,000 in the stadium and it it felt like more to be honest that the crowd was in full voice I saw a a large group of blokes dressed up as Mario but one of them was dressed up as Peach so it it had finals day vibes about it and someone managed to bring bring a trumpet which I'm always questionable about because you know it's not the lightest instrument to bring to a ground and surely maybe a recorder might be a more suitable option it was a brilliant game to the t20s and a vital t20 for england because of course going into these white ball games following their loss at trent bridge last week they had to win five out of six of these remaining games and that's against the team who currently hold the t20 world cup the 50 over world cup won commonwealth gold medals last summer and have won the last two Ashes series in 2022 and 2019 so this was never going to be easy for England after suffering that test defeat and well fair credit to England they took things down to the final over Sophie Eccleston had five runs to defend and after a four was hit on the first ball of that final over it looked like things maybe over the next ball she managed to drag it out a bit more as Sophie Eccleston does she's a fantastic cricketer But just to look at the narrative of this game, of course, Australia, they won the toss. They chose to bowl first, put England into bat on this pretty nice wicket, a wicket prepared entirely by a female ground staff team. So I'm biased, but of course, it's going to be a great wicket. Sophia Dunkley, the star for England, really at the top of the order. She scored 56 of 49. And, you know, at no points in this innings did she particularly look too fluent at the crease. But it was one of those innings where she knew she had to stick out there. There was a few wickets falling around her. And, you know, whether the runs are ugly runs, she she, she got the job done and was dutifully supported in the end. Or at least England was supported in the end by... What was a really special innings from Amy Jones? You know, there was a lot of talk before the game, particularly up in the commentary boxes, saying, look, she averages nine against Australia in T20s, significantly lower to her score against other nations. And of course, she's undoubtedly the best with the gloves in the country at the moment. There's no disputing that. But in T20, can you afford to play almost a specialist keeper, it felt, at the beginning of the game? That's until she hit 40 off 21 balls in front of a home crowd, smacked a six into the hollies, and it it, it all just felt a bit special because Amy Jones, she's she's suffered a, a close personal bereavement recently, and as I mentioned, playing at her home ground, it felt really special for her there, and you could see what it meant to her, you could see what it means to her teammates when she came off the pitch, and Actually, at some points, England looking in a little bit of trouble. They were six for 118, I think seven for 118 at some point. Not sure I've come for the Australian order there, but let's mix it up. Australia did win. Maybe that means we can seed over to their scoring system. But then Jones at the end, 
was supported and, and, and really with Sarah Glenn who ran very hard at the non-strikers end managed to get England up to a total to 153 for seven Jess Jonathan really the standout for Australia she picked up three wickets and Megan Shoot back in the Australian team it was brilliant to see her back and it makes sense in some ways Kim Garth playing in, in the test match because she swings the ball a bit more but when you say you see Megan Shoot come back into this team with her off cutters and just how to see they are you know how how much they trick the England batters you, you just realize what an important integral part of of this Australian squad she is and you know sometimes maybe put into the the background as always it is with with batters stealing the limelight but she is a crucial cog in this Australian white ball team in response to the star of the show for Australia as so often she is it was was Beth Mooney 61 not out in the end she was supported by Talia McGrath brilliant partnership between them and McGrath going for more of the attacking role she was 40 off 29 when she was finally dismissed you know a a higher strike rate than the Mooney he did catch up towards the end of her innings but it just made me think of a, a video which Jared Kimber actually put out a few months ago where he pointed out that Beth Mooney is one of the best T20 players in in the world because she maintains that ability to score a good strike rate, to pierce the gaps throughout every stage of her innings and every stage of the game. She plays well against seam. She particularly isn't afraid to take on spinners, even spinners with you know a high class reputation like Eccleston. And really, she was the anchor in this Australian innings in the end because things did get exciting in the end and. There was a glimmer of hope in the English supporters' eye, especially after a miserable day of test cricket. We were like, come on, give us something, please. Because Ash Gardner was dismissed for 31, bowling of Glenn, and then Glenn struck magnificently by getting Grace Harris for a golden duck. You know, it was one of those moments where you went, oh, maybe we could. I don't want to hope because it's the hope that kills you. Elise Perry, she went for seven as well. And in the end, Annabelle Sutherland fell in the final over to Eccleston. But before that, she had just managed to hit that four I mentioned earlier. Essentially, all going down to that final over. Australia won by four wickets, one ball remaining. So there's the kind of story of the game for anyone who missed it. There's been a quite a few listener questions through, so we'll, we'll just jump straight into those. And the first one, which I wanted to talk about, was, was from David Shervington. So thank you, David, for, for messaging in. And of course, as always, you can get in touch with the podcast at Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Now, David's speaking a bit more of a deep dive into England's squad and England's players. First of all, he's asked about thoughts on Danny Gibson's debut. I mean, I thought she was magnificent. I'm biased. I'm from the West Country and Danny Gibson is a Western Storm and Gloucestershire player. You could almost call her my teammate, apart from we've never played together because she is a lot better than I am and she's usually wearing an England shirt. But no, she was remarkable in her first over bowling to McGrath, who looked in good touch and she was just lost for answers she bowls with a heavy ball hard length and just gets the ball to move away and in the end you know Australia looked a little bit lost against her bowling she bowled three overs for 23 in the end so even towards the end of the game she had that one over available she was a potential option England could have gone to obviously her batting didn't quite go to plan but when you're in a situation like that you just have to get bat on ball you know she'll be disappointed she didn't manage to clear the field in the end she just chipped it up a little dolly 
of a catch in the covers, but she contribu contributed with the ball and she certainly contributed in the field. You know, she's a strong personality. She's mature for her age. She captained Western Storm earlier this season when Sophie Luff was out with a thumb injury. So, you know, she's a valuable player to have in this team. And she confirms some kind of suspicions, or at least her inclusion does, around the fitness of Nat Siver Brunt. At the end of the test match, we were going umming and ahhing, saying, did England know about this knee problem before the test match? Were they short-sighted in thinking Nat Silverbrunt could bowl a few more overs in that test? In the end, she couldn't, and she was experiencing some quite troubling knee problems. This suggests that the team balance going forward, if Gibson is to be included, then Silverbrunt may be not expected to bowl. And that is a significant blow for England because she's crucial in the, the power play, the middle overs and the death. Nat Silverbrunt, she can do it all. But Danny Gibson stepped up on the occasion and was absolutely brilliant. The other questions David has sent in is is a question about the, the almost the other bowling option. England included Fred Davis in their team for today. She bowled three overs for 28, going at an economy of 9.3. And I think at her first over you know, was a bit of uh, of all sorts, really, licorice all sorts. There was a full toss right towards the end, which for a moment looked like it was going to be swung straight into the hands of deep mid-wicket and in the end found the boundary. So she went for 10 off her first over. And I think David as well here asks about Izzy Wong. You know, it's a difficult one because... Izzy Wong is the face on the Ashes marketing. You know, this is her home crowd at Edgebaston. She has become a recognisable figure because of her social media, because of her podcast appearances, because she's just a brilliant personality. And, you know, I think Raph Nicholson did a, said a fantastic point of have England back themselves into a corner by including Wong on the marketing. Will this mean they have to pick her? England have stood their ground, or John Lewis and Heather Knight did stand their ground. And they've gone, actually, look at her domestic performances this year. Did it maybe justify inclusion in this T20? Maybe not. I think for me personally, England's attack just looked a, a bit too flat or if in fact Freya Dave's bowling just maybe looked a bit too flat because she's not an express pace bowler, but she does bowl brilliant slower balls. They just weren't coming out right today. They were looking a bit predictable. And the Australians almost were just able to sit back and wait for that one which was dragged down or just launch on the overpitched one. And of course, the importance of these T20s for England now they're going to have to win all the remaining games to even have a, a chance of getting their hand on that Ashes trophy. But would have bringing in Wong just have brought England that bit of X factor? I'm inclined to say yes. You know, Izzy Wong proved that she can thrive in front of big crowds in the Women's Premier League. Yes, you might get a full toss thrown in there. You're asking a bowler to run in and charge and bowl quick. You know, that is the purpose of a player like an Izzy Wong. But she also brings that chance that she's going to nail a Yorker and it's going to bowl out McGrath earlier on in her innings. It won't allow her to get to 40. So... You know, I've, I I would have liked to see Izzy Wong in front of a home crowd. Of course, I'm sure half the or half or more of the Edgebaston Stadium would have loved to see her out there in the middle. But for England, will they be bringing Wong in at the Oval? Maybe, potentially. The other option, of course, is Kate Cross. Because if you want that player who can come in and just bowl economically, almost that Megan Shoot kind of role in the England team, then you could be looking to Kate Cross. Yes, her T20 record doesn't necessarily point to, to her being 
you know, a, a star of this format. But a lot of those figures and numbers are based on her performances and her bowling a few years ago. Of course, with the retirements of Catherine Siverbrunt and Anya Shrubsole, Cross was in the shadows of them for quite a while now, but she's been spearheading this attack for the last year or at least opening the bowling. And I think personally, she's probably got herself into a position where she she is mature enough to take on this format and just be able to play an economical role for England here, banging the ball in on that same area. And even if it means England have to employ tactics like we saw Australia employ today with Darcy Brown bowling her four allocated overs, you know, by about the the 11th, 10th over. And even Megan Shute at the start bowled three overs in a row for Australia, at least three of her overs early on. Australia relied on a lot of spin later on in the innings. So if England do opt to go with Kate Cross potentially, it doesn't mean you have to use her at the death. At the death, you've got a Danny Gibson, you've got a Sophie Eccleston, you've got a Lauren Bell. So England have options. It will be interesting to see what they do with their seam attack at the Oval. Another question which has come in about England's bowlers is from Spurs fan. I'm more of a Bristol City girl myself. Spurs fan asked whether England got it right by bowling Lauren Bell for the penultimate over of the T20. Following this with Eccleston, was this wrong? You know, in an alternate universe somewhere, England swapped round those two players and things might have gone differently. From my experiences watching Hampshire, which of course is the team I follow the most, I would always lean to this idea of bowling your best bowler for the penultimate over. Hampshire do it with Nathan Ellis and it works out wonderfully. In the end, Lauren Bell, she, she got that wicket, but then she went for two fours. One was a drag down, one was an overpitched, you know, half volley. And it was costly because you were looking at a situation where Eccleston had nine runs to work with. And finally, that final of the 19th over got smacked away for four and Eccleston was left with just the five runs to defend. It's a completely different equation at that point because Australia could have knocked it off in singles. So I think England may have got it wrong, but that's just my opinion. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who might think differently. A question in from Sam speaks about the difference between these two teams. The small margin in, in you know, the, the result today But he says that the gap between the teams seems quite large. Is this fair? Do England need to make small adjustments or big changes? This is a cracker of a question because I think England's performance today suggested that the gap isn't as large as, you know, it, it, it seems to be because there were some incredibly good positives in that England innings. I think their running between the wickets was superb. They were pushing twos from the very start. And actually, we started to see a few misfields from the Australian fielders, which is as rare as seeing a dodo. It doesn't happen, you know. So they were putting Australia under pressure. And there were some incredible moments in that game, as I mentioned, when Sarah Glenn was bowling at the end and Grace Harris got a golden duck and then Elise Perry swung round a straight one and things just looked like they could go England's way. The, the, the key for beating Australia and for closing that gap is that even an Australian team on a, on a day where they're not playing at 100%, their opposition needs to be flawless. They can't afford to make any mistakes. And even for this England team today, which did well, they did a good job. They were probably 10 runs short in the batting department. And there was a couple times in the field where, for example, if the bowling of Lauren Bell, the ball was skied and she had to end up running backwards off her own bowling to go try and catch the ball. She didn't get there in the end. And you had Alice Capsey, who probably could have run in from the boundary. Of course, it's easier to run in from the boundary. So there's small adjustments need to be made and you know 
these aren't the kind of things you can rehearse. They're the things which happen in the heat of the moment, really. But in terms of the basics, I think England are getting there. I think there has been big changes under John Lewis, you know, in terms of mentality as well, of saying, you know, expressing yourselves. Don't see Australia as this invincible force. You know, you've got to see yourselves as equals. And they have the benefit that there is a few younger players in this team, you know, who do think they can take on Australia. Izzy Wong mentioned recently that, you know, Australia need to need to watch out. So I think small adjustments, you know, it's, it's getting the basics right and making sure that in those key moments, England don't let things slip away from them. If you pick up a big wicket, make it count, get another one. Don't suddenly sit back and allow another partnership to build. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see I think at the Oval, which is obviously a traditionally a really good batting pitch, the, the the kind of style England go about it if Australia either put them into bat again or if they have to chase things down. I want to see that flair. I want to see that confidence, which I know those players have because they know that Australia can be beaten. We saw in the World Cup recently in South Africa at the start of this year that Australia weren't chasing down totals with, with much urgency sometimes. And, you know, England was scoring at the highest run rate in the power play in that World Cup as well, which was around nine. So they, they, they are getting there. And, you know, as we mentioned so often, Australia had that professional setup in place a little earlier than England. So it would always take a bit of time to catch up. But you feel that that is happening now. And England will continue to back themselves in this series till the very end. And I think even if the latter games in this series do become dead rubber games it will still be the thrill for the crowds of can England do it? Because if England can do it, if England can beat Australia, that is enough, enough entertainment, I think, because they are such a good side. Now, a funnier question from Rob Reed, who has said, should we make sure essentially that living on a prayer is playing every time Grace Harris comes out to bat? I think yes. For anyone who missed this, on the, the the game tonight, Grace Harris came strolling out to the middle, singing Living on a Prayer, which was blasting around the speaker system at the top of her voice. She is a brilliant character. She's bubbly. She's fun. She's a great player to have on those. Uh, I don't want to say walkie-talkies. It's when the players speak to the commentators on the TV. She's always a good laugh on that. But as I mentioned earlier, she got a golden duck. So maybe this is the key for England. When Grace Harris comes into bat, click on living on a prayer, get the whole crowd to sing it. And that's how we win the ashes, I'm telling you. Jack Rule tweeted in at Storylines Pod on Twitter, did the Edgebaston atmosphere overcome England in the end? Now, it's difficult. I think this is going to be down to individual players. You know, as I mentioned, some of the younger ones have been used to big crowds since they started. Alice Capsey, who was thrown into the limelight in the 100, is used to playing in front of a packed-out oval. So for her, I don't think it it would have phased her. And then obviously you look to the other side of the scale and say an experienced player like Nat Brunt or Heather Knight, who I also don't think would be phased because, yes, when they started their careers, they were playing in much smaller venues. They've they've been doing this a long time. So if anything, I, I, I'm of the opinion that the crowd was helping England in the big moments. You know, you can read the feeling of the crowd. And when you're out there in the middle and the crowd's quiet, it's almost that extra push to say, let's get them loud again. We need to make something happen here. And, you know, so many people listening to this would have been in the situation where your, your club's getting smacked around the field on a Saturday and things go quiet. Time slows down when things are quiet in the field. So with that 
Edgebaston crowd with almost them acting as a 12th man out there on the pitch. I think it would have helped England. I think it got them fired up for for the game and if anything overcame England. I, I'm not sure it was the crowd. Finally, as a last question, how do England approach the rest of the series? Bearing in mind, they can't afford to lose another match. I think the same attitude they had today. You know, you're here to, to entertain, not to... <laughs> reiterate the sentiments of Basball and we're here to entertain therefore we're going to throw away our wickets it's not quite the same entertainment as the men's test team are attempting to do at the moment but you know they they want to show that they can put up a fight and it's a different you know format with t20 compared to the test that it's so unpredictable all it takes is one player to, to have a fantastic innings or suddenly someone like a Sarah Glenn to come in and pick up two wickets and then over and everything just shifts and changes so I think they've got to almost ride the wave of how unpredictable this format is and how quickly a game can change and use it to their advantage you know the fact they're only out there on the pitch as well for what an hour and 15 minutes for that fielding innings you just you can afford to throw every last ounce of energy you have at these remaining games and they'll they'll really really just want to impress these crowds to entertain these crowds because today was a brilliant exhibition of of women's cricket you know the success of the lionesses last summer that is what the England team want to achieve. And of course, the, the target will be when England hosts the T20 World Cup in a few years' time. That will be their Euros moment. And Edge Baston showed today that that is not far off whatsoever. So, you know, yes, England can't afford to lose another game. But I think they will go down fighting. Thank you so much, everyone, for sending in your questions. You've kept me entertained in my hotel room. You've kept me working in my hotel room until late. For me, I think it's time for a pack of the ready salted crisps and a nice nap before we go all over again at the Oval on Wednesday, followed by Lord's on Saturday. If you're near those grounds, come along and watch. They will be brilliant games and of course, you can get in touch at Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Send us your questions. We love hearing from you. Please leave us a review. We would absolutely adore you if you could do that. And listen to our big brother podcast, The Analyst Inside Cricket, as they also do daily reviews of the men's ashes. That's all for now. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Podcast Network.